0: My name is Pat Allerton, uh, I work with Tim here, I'm the Associate Vicar, and it's really exciting to have you with us. Would you like to grab your Bibles? We are going to get straight to it. We're in the book of Ephesians. So let's um, find page 1,109. Let's put those conversations on pause, if you wouldn't mind. Let's turn the music off. <laughs> Getting there. And we are reading chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Everyone there? It's quite dark in the aisles. Could possibly turn the lights on. <laughs> Here we go. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision which is done in the body by human hands remember that at that time you were separate from christ excluded from citizenship in israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without god in the world but now in christ jesus built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I don't know about you but I feel we need to pray (laughs) after that reading. So why don't we pray for God's help as we look at this passage. And Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for giving it to us. We thank you for its clarity. We thank you for its power. We thank you for the revelations, revelation after revelation that it brings us about who you are, what you've done for us in Jesus and I pray Lord that you would come now by your Holy Spirit and give us insight fill us now Lord give us hearts and minds to to receive and to understand and a will to then go out and live this word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now you see the little heading in your Bible, just above that. I've just noticed it. The subheading for this passage that we're looking at tonight is called, Jew and Gentile reconciled through Christ. But I want to, you know, hazard a guess. So I wouldn't want to bet that actually you got up this morning when you woke up and you got up had your first cup of tea, cup of coffee, porridge anyone else a porridge man yeah bacon and eggs whatever you were doing i doubt that the first thought in your head this morning when you got out of bed is i do wonder about the tensions and ongoing division between jew and gentile i just wonder how that can be put right i mean sorry if i'm wrong sorry if that was your first thought this morning when you got out of bed um but I just, I wonder if you had other things on your mind. In fact, I shared that this morning. And to my horror, I went into the kitchen afterwards and a girl who'd been volunteering serving tea and coffee was like, what do you mean? That's what my, uh, my dissertation is on. I, this is exactly what I got out of bed thinking about this morning. How can the two be reconciled? So <laughs> I stumbled there. But I imagine you've got other things on your mind. I imagine you might well have divisions, tensions on your mind. Perhaps a relationship that's under strain, a friendship that's, that's gone awry, that's gone a bit distant. Perhaps uh, you're in a marriage and you're trying to work stuff through. Perhaps it's the marriage of a friend. Perhaps you look at uh, our community, our society. You see the ongoing divisions there, the failure to agree, the failure to, to live in harmony and just be peaceful, for goodness sake. Maybe you look further abroad and you look at the news, you look at the headlines, and if you're anything like me, just think, Wowzers, you know, can this world ever be one? Can it ever live in peace and have harmony? Maybe that was more your first thought this morning. But what I want to suggest and why we're looking at this passage tonight is that looking at this issue of Jew and Gentile and Paul's understanding here, what he's trying to outline for us, far from being irrelevant for us 2,000 years after the issue seemingly has been dealt with, it is actually right at the heart of who God is calling us to be as his people. And it's right at the heart of his call to us as a church, his church, to live out his purposes in his world. And if we can grasp this, if we can see what God did 2,000 years ago, bringing Jew and Gentile together and how he did it, then we will see the difference that's made already in our lives together, here. But also the difference it can make in spreading throughout the world. I mean, I don't know about you, does that sound good news tonight? To know how we can be one, how God can bring strangers together, people living completely different lives. That's the goal, that's the vision. And if we grasp it, if we, if we grasp how God has done it, and what Paul is going on about here, then we will live completely transformed lives but to do it you know what we're going to need to understand from the outset is is what god means by what the bible means by jew and gentile because we read about it a lot you know if you read your bibles a bit you've probably come across that word right you know gentile jew i wonder if you've ever asked yourself like what does that mean where does it come from how do you make sense of it so i want to just Set a bit of a scene, do a bit of an overview. Does that sound alright? An overview of some biblical stuff, uh, going back right to the beginning of the Bible, just to see where humanity's come from. And who the Gentiles are. I mean, what is a Gentile? What is a Jew? And only when we get that will we be able to understand how God in Christ brought the two together and the difference that that makes for our lives today. Okay? Sound good? So remember, okay, back in Genesis, you know, Bible 101, God creates the world, he created it good. And he put a couple in it, didn't he? Adam and Eve. And we know what went wrong. Things went wrong, they went awry, they sinned. Sin came into the world. There was division. They were cast out of the garden. They had sons, Cain and Abel. Cain struck down his own brother. Sin was was increasing already in the world, even in the first generation. And then they went and multiplied and filled the earth and with it, wickedness and sin filled the earth. And God looked down and he was heartbroken. He thought, this is humanity made in my image. I love them, I long for them. And right there in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, when they went awry, already his plan was set in action to bring humanity, to bring mankind back to himself. But he knew what he needed to do. He knew that he would need to set a people aside And bring a saviour from those people. But mankind didn't know that. And what I'm trying to help us realise is we need to get in that headspace if we're to grasp what's going on in this passage in Ephesians and the difference it makes to us today. And so sin increased and people spread throughout the world taking sin wherever they went. And it got to the days of Noah. You all know about Noah, right? And the ark. You've probably seen Noah with Russell Crowe. It's something like that, a little bit like that. And God decided, I've had enough of humanity. I'm going to just wash them clear of the earth. I'm going to start again with one man. One man who was found to be righteous in God's sight. And his family. And then I'll fill the earth again. So that's what he does. He judges the earth. Washes mankind away. Starts again. And the earth begins to be filled once again with human beings. And what do we see again? We see sin, wickedness fill the earth. And God's heart is grieved. And we see men gather together on a plane called Shinar. And it says that they came together to build a tower, to ascend to God, to do it in their own effort, to do it in their own strength, out of their own human pride. Nothing we can't achieve. Does that sound relevant? to stuff we see in the world today, with no reference to God. And God looked down from heaven, and he saw the plans, and he saw what was in man's heart. And he saw the pride, and he came down. This was the Tower of Babel might sound familiar. He came down and he judged mankind. He judged humanity. And he scattered them. And the Bible holds out that that is where the peoples of the earth, the nations, come from. Why are there different people groups? Why are there different cultures? Well, it comes from God's judgment at the time of the Tower of Babel. Scattering human beings to different nations, to different cultures. Giving them different languages. Dividing them. Different ethnicities. And this is what, where the word Gentile comes from. It comes from the word ethnos, which means just peoples. God brought that division. And so you think, okay, well, at, at this time, there was just mankind. There was just Gentiles, if you like. But God knew he had to do something. He knew he had to call a people to himself if his plan was to unfold. And that's exactly what he did. So if you wanna grab your Bibles, just turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. I just want us to see something here before we move on. It's page 12. Always remember that, Genesis 12, in these Bibles, page 12. And just go from there. Good luck with that. Okay, page 12, all there? Chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed. Through you. God, when Adam and Eve went their own way, He longed for them to return. He longed for all of humanity to be back in fellowship with Him, back in relationship. But mankind was set going His own way, doing her own thing. So God chose one man and He set His blessing on Him, saying, I am going to covenant with you. To bring about something through you that will bless the entire world. You see, this is the beginning of the outworking of God's plan. To bring humanity, all of the nations, back to himself. You see it there. I will make you into a great nation. I will make you into a great people. It required a people. I will make your name great. I will take you into a land. It required a land. A people of God the promised land of God. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That speaks of the seed that was going to come, that Abraham didn't realize it, who it was referring to. We'll see that in a bit. But it needed a people, it needed a land, and it needed a seed. And God had set these people apart. And the rest of humanity, actually, the Bible speaks of, God's focus was not on them at this time. Yeah, he was doing his own thing. We don't quite know what he was up to with regards to the rest of the world. But God chose a people for his purposes. He chose Israel and the Jews and set them apart to know him, to be in relationship with him. And it was exclusive. And we know how this story developed. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, the tribes of Israel. Joseph was one of them technicolored dream coat all that stuff that became the nation of israel they multiplied they entered the promised land they took it it's king david it's all of that stuff it's everything we read about in the old testament it's the outworking of this one promise to one man to bring blessing to the whole world and yet it required an exclusivity a focus of relationship that meant that the Jews were so set apart and the world, the ancient world was just divided into Jew and Gentile. And I won't ask for a show of hands tonight as to who descends from Jewish lineage, but I would hazard a guess that most of us in this room are mere Gentiles. We're the Gentiles, folks. Most of us in Britain. I mean, we're an ancient pagan race until the gospel came to these shores. And if we'd been born 2,000 years ago we would have been among the Gentiles not God's chosen people and God with his people chose to give them his law chose to make his ways known to them Moses went up brings the Lord down he enables them to worship him to be in relationship with him do you see how how exclusive this is how special but how God ordained it was of him and so That's the context into which Paul is writing, dropping this bombshell of what Christ has done. And what he's been saying in Ephesians just should blow our minds and would have blown the minds of the Gentile readers, listeners, here in the first century. Because only the Jews knew God. Only Israel was in relationship with God. The Gentiles had no right to approach and so what Paul is wanting to do is, having set out some of the amazing blessings that are ours in Christ, that we've been chosen before the foundation of the world, that every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ, that though we were dead, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, though we were dead in our sins, God has made us alive in Christ. He's, he's raised us. We are, even as we sit here in St. D's, SW6 tonight, we are also seated in heavenly places. All these incredible blessings Paul is keen to in chapter 2 remind us it's a gift. You haven't done this yourself. This is not your own doing. Do not be fooled. So just look at verse 8 chapter 2. Paul keen to say it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. And with that truth, that word ringing in our ears and in his listeners ears, Paul goes on to write, therefore the beginning of our passage, therefore and just a tip, whenever you're reading the Bible for yourself in your quiet times or whatever, when you do it on the bus or at home or whatever, if you ever come across a therefore in the Bible, it's always a good idea to ask the question what is it there for? What is that therefore there for? It's there to contrast what is coming with what he's just said. So in view of it being a gift, Paul commands us, his first hearers and us today, to remember, he wants us to remember something. And if we're to live the lives we want to live, if we are to become the people we want to be, who are people who just transform the world around us, we've got a vision here at St. Thies to reach our local community, to impact and transform our local community. We don't feel we, we want to reach beyond that right now. We want to just do an experiment like, God, what can you do in the parish of Parsons Green, of St. Dionys if we give ourselves to you? If we give ourselves to this program? Sounds like the born identity. Will you give yourself? Yes, we will, Lord. <laughs> Male laughs mainly. Um, good. What will we do? What can God achieve if we give ourselves to that? Because we want to see transformation. But Paul says, you're going to need to remember something. You're going to need to rejoice in something. And you're going to need to rally around something. Three R's. Remember, rejoice, and rally. Rally is a military term. I thought of it this afternoon. I like it. We'll get there in a minute. So Paul is saying to his earliest readers, listeners, I keep getting that mixed up. I think they were both. Remember. It's a command. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, remember that at that time, what does he want them to remember? Well, it's the classic, I've got to give you the bad news before I give you the good news. So the remember bit is the bad news. And what we need to remember tonight is that we haven't always enjoyed what we're enjoying right now. We haven't always been welcomed into God's kingdom to know his presence to have such worship and Paul's wanting to remind his Gentile hearers of that he's saying remember that at that time look at verse 12 you were separate you were excluded you were foreigners so just think back the context was the Jews had worship the Jews could encounter they could approach God but only the Jews only Israel the Gentiles had no right it says they were separate from Christ And I want us to feel this, because it's only if we feel this, the weight of it, the gravity of it, that we will see the glory, the beauty of the gospel and what Jesus has done. He says, at that time, you were separate from Christ. Does anyone here remember a time when you were separate from Christ? I do. I remember those days. Days of wandering around, lost. Confused, closed in on myself, gripped by fears, insecurities, just sins and shame and guilt. Separate from Christ. Christ the Savior. Christ the Deliverer. Christ the hope of the world, who we remember this Christmas time, born to save his people from their sins. Remember, Paul says, that at that time you were separate from this. Separate from this Christ. Separate from these blessings. You were excluded, he says, from citizenship in Israel. But what is citizenship? Citizenship gives us belonging. It gives us identity. Anyone else get that feeling when you go abroad and you just, well, you you know, you've got the British, sorry, you know, the British passport. I love having a British passport. Bless you if you don't have one. Um, But I love, and I'm sure you enjoy having yours. Um, But I love belonging. I love belonging to the British people. Just going to leave it there. Uh, Here, he says, remember that you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. You had no identity. You didn't have the blessings that went along with, with being part of that commonwealth. Having that vision, having that unity, having that story. You were excluded. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise, you were foreigners to the hope held out in in knowing where history is going, in knowing what path this world is on, of having those covenants, of being in relationship with God, of having a promise, a hope, a future. You were foreigners to those things. Paul is saying, remember this, remember your past. And God says to us tonight, it doesn't hurt to remember occasionally where we would be without the gospel that we would be separate we would be excluded we would be foreigners i mean what's it like it's tiny picture you can have of it is it's a bit like you know when you go which i used to do occasionally out at night and go to a nightclub, a night spot do you know the places i'm talking about some of you only just came back from one just for church but like last night wherever any of you might have gone it's like going to your place, you want to get in. The life and soul of the party is in there. You know, the, the drinks, the food, your friends, it's, it's warm. It's, you know, the music's on. And it looks lively. And you want to get in and you start coming, trying to queue, but then you find your way blocked by a barrier. Normally one of those hanging sort of ropes with a clippy thing. And then some sort of, bless them, jobs worth bouncer. I mean, hands up if you just do not enjoy a bouncer. I've got a history anyway um, they just love it and you know you just sometimes they don't let you in and you just get the folded arm, you know and you you've no idea if you'll get in you're no, you have you no idea when you'll get in all you know is you want to get in but you are excluded you are separate you are a foreigner you're not welcome and it's a bit like that it's a little bit like that in the gospel So picture yourself, you're outside the club, and it's raining, okay? Sleeting, in fact, it's the depths of winter. It's horrid, that's what the Gentiles were. They were outside 151 or, you know, Marimoto, or some of your favorite spots. They weren't going anywhere. And that's what Paul wants his his readers, his listeners to feel. He says, remember where you were. Remember how little you had, That you had nothing. You were excluded, he finishes, without hope, and without God, in the world. Those, you know, those words should, they should break our hearts, actually. They should make us so grateful, firstly, that we have the hope, that we have, that we walk through this life with hope, knowing God. We walk through this life with God, but it should give us such compassionate hearts for all those outside these walls, all those in our community, in Parsons Green, in London, in Britain, in Syria, in Iraq, anyone who does not know Christ, it should give us compassion. But those outside, they are without hope. They are without God. And Paul says, remember where you were. And God says to us tonight, remember where you were. Remember where you would have been. But then, one of those beautiful words, or two words, that change everything. Verse 13, just look down. Having given the bad news, just alienated, far off, separated, foreigners, excluded. My thanks, see you later. Verse 13, but now. Preacher Martin Lloyd Jones, he gave a sermon on this text and he asked his congregation, he asked the people, do you have a but now in your life? Do you have a but now as part of your story? That you remember, you know where you were. But now. What does he go on to say? But now in Christ. once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We who once were far off, excluded, shut out, held outside in the sleet and the rain and the cold, no chance of getting in. Not even when one comes, it's not even one in, one out. It it doesn't operate like that. You don't have a chance. You're outside for good. But then Paul writes, but now in Christ you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Remember where you were. Paul goes on here to say rejoice now in where you are. Rejoice in where you are. Because because of Jesus, because of his blood, we are now, look at verse 19. Now no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Fellow citizens Citizens, you know, God in heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that is coming. God has given those of us who are in Christ, He's looked down and He said, You're one of mine, you belong to this country now. This is your home, here's your passport. You're a citizen of heaven right now, today. That's what's on offer. That's what's on offer in Jesus to be a citizen of heaven a fellow citizen with God's people to have belonging to have identity to know where you've come from to know where you're going not only that fellow citizens with God's people but also members of his household in Christ because of his blood God draws near and says I don't just want you to be a citizen of this city I want you to be part of my household I want you to be part of my family You've got the passport, but here, be part of my family. Come into the house, make yourself at home. Now, we've looked at that illustration a few times, that Max Perkins, you got married yesterday to Megan. Woo! Anyway, that's amazing. Um, he said, Heidi Baker, who works with orphans uh, in Africa, has hundreds of orphans come in through her home, become part of the family, and then go into other homes. She, says the mo- she knows the moment when they go from being an orphan to being a child, a son or a daughter. It's when they come into the house and instead of looking around or waiting to be invited to go to the fridge, they head straight there for themselves, open it up, take whatever they like. That's what a member of the household looks like. That's what a member of the household does. You in Christ are part of the family. You've got your passport. You're part of the furniture. And finally, we are, have a purpose in Jesus. It goes on to say in verse 21, look at that, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Israel, they used to have a, a building, a physical building where they would go to worship God. But in the New Testament, God says, We are that building. We are those living stones. And if we come to God, our Father, through Christ, we are living stones being built together to be a place in which God dwells. You know, this place is made of stones. Look at this. This pillar is made of stones. Each of these stones has a purpose. can't really see, but they're they're divided. If I say this stone, what are you doing? Well, what place have you got? He's like, I'm helping hold up a building. Thanks, Pat. Thanks for being rude. And I'm like, brilliant. And what about you? What about you in the archway? What are you doing? Like, well, I'm part of the arch, Pat. Idiot. Um, and that's what you are. You have a purpose in Christ. You've been redeemed. You've been made. You've been shaped to be uniquely used in the house of God. Does that excite you just a little bit? That you've got a purpose. The building isn't the same without you. Remove that and I imagine the pillar might creak at least. Remove that. It might even fall. The church needs you. God's family, God's building needs you. You have a purpose. We were once far away. We've been brought near. Remember where you were. Rejoice in where you are. You've been given a passport to the city of God. You're part of the family. You have a purpose. Finally, how's this been done? And what's the way forward? Well, it's all been done through the cross. You know, Jesus in this passage, he refers to his blood. He refers to making two people one, bringing Jew and Gentile together. How? Through the cross. By abolishing, finishing with the law, and all of its exclusivity, finishing with everything that made the Jews and Gentiles hate each other. You know, the Jews would look down on the Gentiles back in those days saying, you don't know God, you don't have his law, you're heathen, you know, you live, you're disgusting. And the Gentiles would similarly about the Jews think, you're so different, you're so exclusive, you're so up yourselves, you're so proud. And Jesus on the cross has removed the law that separated He nailed it to the cross, fulfilling it. The claims that it makes on humanity, the claims that it demanded. Jesus met those claims. He lived that life. The curse that it would impose on anyone not meeting the claims, Jesus took that curse. He took the curse that should have been yours, should have been mine, for not hitting the mark. The law has been dealt with. Everything that excludes the Gentiles has been taken away. And through doing that, God is able to invite all of us, able to invite the Gentiles, as Paul's wanting them to realize, able to invite them in, able to invite them home. You see, it's through the cross, it's through rallying around the cross together. That's what we're here tonight. It's the only reason we're here tonight. Because we've met Christ. But we're drawing near, we feel drawn to him. Because he wants to make us one. The Jew and Gentile thing, it's been done, it's been dusted for 2,000 years. But it's still working its way out. It still works its way out in our lives, in our relationships. We're called to reflect the impact of what the cross has done. That through the cross, we have been made a new humanity. As it says here in verse 15. His purpose was to create himself In himself, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. You know what we're doing when we gather as church, when we worship, when we come together, all different backgrounds, different lifestyles, different people. You know what we're doing? We are helping to rewire the world. Church is a radical rewiring of a world that's gone horribly wrong. And it's God's plan. It's always been his plan. And it was fulfilled through the cross. Because it's only through the cross that we are able to approach God freely. And as verse 18 says, for through him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. So what does this mean? It means that we're family that's a word that gets used a lot in church we use it a lot here at St D's we don't just use it because we want to generate and you know stir up that culture, we, we use it because it's true you know before I knew Christ I was I could be difficult I could be aggressive, I could be don't come too close I didn't trust there's a world full of people like that full of people who don't want that oneness, who fear coming close, fear what the other might do through the cross Christ has disarmed the powers, he's made peace he's brought two people together and you know what else is a a cross other than two bits of wood that were heading in different directions brought together as one Jew and Gentile Jew Gentile come together united in peace and this is what we're called to now to live a life of peace to live a life of just abounding welcome to others you know this is why it should manifest in our culture this is why we have an extended peace to give us the chance to look around to see who's new who's not in my gang who can i go and say hello to who can i welcome to the body of christ the family of god because god is building his church and he's growing his body. And He wants others who don't yet know this piece to come in to be part of it. And this should impact every area of our lives. This is why we're outward looking in everything we do as a church. This is what, why we want our life boots to be outward looking. Jeremy, Hannah, launching a new one to just see new water flow in, to never close the doors, to never shut anyone out. Because the days of exclusion have gone. God says, Come. And come freely. This is what he's done. And if we rally around the cross, if we see what the cross has done, if we unite around it and its cause, then we will see our community transformed. Because it is the only thing, Christ crucified, that can ever transform. Shall we stand together? just have a bit of space and time times against us so we just want to bless you if you need to head off if you've got other things booked in then please go with our blessing it's been wonderful seeing you having you with us um life groups are on tuesday alpha's on wednesday but be blessed if you, if you need to nip off but we don't want to rush away you know i was struck preparing this just by that that verse at the end verse 22 and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit you know when we gather as church we're not just gathering for a social we're not just gathering to see some mates or even just sing some songs or or hear the word of God all of which are great things good things when we gather we're gathering to become the home of God, the very dwelling place of God and His Spirit. God is here with us, His people. We're His temple. We're His building. And if God is here, then anything is possible. Anything is possible. Jesus can do anything so we don't want to rush away before we've prayed for you for anything that you feel is impossible. Anything that you feel, oh, I can't break this off, I I can't shake this depression, I can't shake this sickness. I've got this challenge, I've got this relational tension, this division, I don't know what to do, I I need wisdom in my career, I I want to hear from my father, I don't hear him so much. God is here. So we want to just create space, just some space, just five minutes or so, to respond, to minister to one another, to, to give the God who's here space to move. So I wonder, just, we've got some spaces on my left, my right, just here. If you're here tonight and you want just a power encounter, if you want God to you, maybe you come, maybe you're sick, Maybe you just want to stand with someone and pray for someone you know sick. You want the, the God of the impossible who's here to meet with you and your friend. Do so you just want to make your way down here? you just want a miracle of some sort? If you want just greater intimacy, just to, to know God, to hear His voice for yourself. You want to have a down here, and um, we're gonna have some team. Team, if you can just come forward, fill these spaces. Let's pray. God is in the house, let's draw near. He's here saying, What do you want? What do you want? So, two zones you come to come and get prayer. And draw near. Tim's gonna
1: take it from here. Ooh, just one more thing as well. the census uh, again, as Pat was speaking, that um, the Lord be calling a few of us to be kind of agents of this reconciliation and a uh, sense actually out, out, in, in I, I got the sense actually was in the workplace where there is a Jew Gentile situation there's an in and out situation, there's a near far situation, there's some kind of conflict that the Lord is wanting to, uh, through you, to kind of bring his resolution, his peace. So we, we, we learn about this stuff, we, we receive this stuff. Here, as we gather, but actually to be agents of reconciliation. It, it may not be. It's not a massive thing. I'm not talking about sort of acquisitions and mergers. And you know, I mean, it's maybe just one little relationship. But you, you could be the one that unlocks whatever the, the, the tension and, and enables God to pour in peace. He's done it with Jew and Gentile. Uh, he's doing it all over the world. Actually, he, he can do it in your place. And if you have a sense that sort of resonates, so like you, you gather. We gather here. We recognise what God has done to church and that we take church out of the world and specifically this uh, agent of reconciliation that's the Lord calling you you don't know how to go about it you don't know where to start but you've just got a sense yes, I know there's a situation God's calling me to, to bring peace I love to pray for you I believe that's a specific anointing that God wants to impart to see
0: These are the to-